This is Adam Manis. And I'm Peter Martin. And you're listening to the You'll Hear It podcast. Daily jazz advice coming at you. Today we're going to talk about how to approach pop tunes in a jazz setting. Good, because I've been wanting to play The Greatest Love of All by Whitney Houston for like 20 years, and no one will let me do it on the jazz gig. Well, man, sounds like a solo piano favorite for you to throw in there. I'm going to work it up. I'm going to work it up. Let's do it. So the first thing that we can do is to choose the right tune. Um, you know, I do this a lot with my trio. I actually have, we're, we're like 81% modern pop tunes right <laughs> nice. now. Yeah. Um, what and are some of the ones you've been doing? Well, we do, so we do some Nine Inch Nails. We do Nine Inch Nails Closer. We just added this great arrangement of uh, Katie Lang's uh, Constant Craving. I'm very 90s heavy right now, but we do like some Outcasts. Yeah, I thought you said of, of this day. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we do some Outcasts like Lana Del Rey. And it, you, yeah. know, there's a, you have to approach it differently. Everybody Wants to Rule the World, I think I heard We you. do the yeah. Tears for Fears stuff. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we that do, might even be 80s, my that's friend. That's 80s. It's no, we can, we go all the way back. But, yeah. but, you know, I mean, like, how many 25-year-olds know the days in Wine and Roses? Like, no, right. you know, they don't really know that as a popular tune. They just know it as something they hear from jazz combos at restaurants. But uh, we try to, to kind of put some things in that maybe people might recognize from, from popular radio. So the key to this for me, though, at least the way I approach it, is you know, one of the most important things is choosing the right one. You can't just choose any modern pop tune. I mean, you could, but for me, if it's going to be good, I have to really love the melody, first mm-hmm. and foremost. It has to be a melody that like sounds good when you play it instrumentally. A lot of modern pop tunes, man, they don't have like... The strongest of melodies. Yeah, it's got to be melodic. I guess it's it got to be, be bass super line. melodic. I mean, that's the one advantage that if you're a jazz musician pulling modern pop tunes in the '50s, you have a wealth of you know all these like Jerome Kern and the Gershwins and all this great musical theater stuff that has these these really melodic uh, melodies. These melodies that just soar all around. But I think jazz musicians even back then too were very good at picking out the ones that's right. that would fit. I remember my dad telling me. When I first, you know, kind of got into jazz, I mean, he's a musician and knows a lot about, you know, a lot of kinds of music. And I was saying to him, I said, man, back when you were coming up in like the 50s and 60s, there were so many great pop tunes. I've, all the pop tunes were so great and they adapt so well to, to jazz. Some, you know, great harmonic content and great melodic stuff. And he was like, no, he's like, <laughs> he's just like the jazz musicians took those. Those are the only ones that survived. He's like, we had That's a right. bunch of crap back then as, as well. It's the same thing, too. So if you're choosy about, about what you're going to pick and, and try to arrange, it, this could really work well. Um, and then, you know, for me, I look for, for great melodies. You can look for great changes, although as a jazz musician, I'm prone to make the changes, you know, my own anyway. And we're talking about harmony now. Yeah, we're talking about harmony of, like, the chord changes. Yeah, harmonic. So that's less important to me, the, the complexity. Yeah, we can always add that. Like, you know, we're going to we, do it anyway, so. <laughs> we do a Steely Dan. We just, just threw in a Steely Dan version of Black Cow. It's awesome, but we haven't changed anything about it. Because mm-hmm. it's like the changes are are great, right? You that's already I mean? kind of a that that's a jazz influenced pop tune, basically. already, right? <laughs> so I'm almost ready to throw it out because it's like, well, we're not making it our own at all. We're just kind of playing it how they would play. You know what I mean? Like, right. so there's something to be said of of kind of making something your own like this. There's some interesting things. I was just thinking about like Billy Childs is is really good at doing arrangements of. Uh, well, basically, he was doing. I don't know if he's still doing this, but he was doing pretty current pop tunes, like he did. An arrangement for Diane Reese of In Your Eyes that's yeah. just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and and it's almost like it's still a groove, but it's a little bit different of a groove. And it's not even like a jazz arrangement. I mean, there's a lot of complicated written 
you know, kind of through written material in it, but it's very much based around. I mean, that's a different thing than trio because you still have the lyrics because those four vocals and yeah. stuff. But it's sort of taking what's there and then adding some harmonic complexity and some interesting rhythmic things and a bunch of counter melodies and stuff and kind of turning it into its own thing. The only thing remaining is the original melody and lyrics kind of soaring above uh, like a new composition almost. Yeah, it's, it can be a really cool thing. I did a little bit of that with Aaron Bodie when I was in her band for a while. Um, mm-hmm. it, it can really work well. Yeah. yeah. And then, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I like your thing of, of looking for great melodies and, you know, possible interesting harmonic things or places to go. But I think that, you know, if you layer that with um, things that you're passionate about and like, that resonate with you somehow, those kind of songs uh, as well, then you'll get into something where you're going to enjoy playing it, enjoy experimenting with it, enjoy extending it in a way that will really work in a jazz environment, yeah, I think. Yeah, that's totally true, man. That's totally true. Yeah, I mean, I did, I, I did a video of a, a tune last year from La La Land from the movie, and it was kind of – it wasn't really a joke because I actually enjoyed – the movie a lot and I enjoyed some of the music but what I was trying to do with that was almost like the reverse of in a way because the movie was it was about jazz like the story was about jazz right. but the music in the movie was not really jazz it was kind of broadway totally so I wanted to take one of the songs and sort of do a jazz version of something that wasn't jazz but that everybody thought was jazz yeah. and then everybody started coming out because I put it on YouTube They everyone was like man this is such a great jazz version of this jazz tune I'm right. like that's not really what it is yeah but. if you haven't checked this out it's called Another Day in the Sun uh, YouTube uh, search Another Day of Sun Another, Another day, day of, of sun? sun I think so yeah. Another Peter Day of Sun I don't <laughs> sing on it Yeah. <laughs> no but it, he does a solo piano version that's like Unbelievable. Anyway, um, a little, little plug there for. But I, and, and then I actually PM. pulled that, like on the recording or in the movie, as I re- recall it, um, it's it's almost like a kind of big bandish uh, swing feel, but it's real Broadwayish. Yeah, yeah. And so I sort of changed the groove further away from jazz in a way, but made it more jazz piano. Yeah, I think, no, it's way time. hipper with what you did. Well, yeah. I mean, I, oh, thank you. Well, thank and this you, brings Adam. us kind of to our second point, which is to experiment with the grooves and the orchestration and the form. You know, and this was done with standards, with you know what we consider American songbook standards by yep. jazz musicians, you know, throughout history. And you can do that too. You know, if they're playing something like you said with the Billy Childs thing, like you don't have to play it in the same groove at all. Right. You know, you can give the bass player the melody. Although I don't recommend that. <laughs> no, you can you can experiment with how who plays the melody, who does the counter melodies, um, how it feels, the tempo. You know, one of the things we like to do in my trio is to like play something that's usually fast, slow, play something that's slow, really fast. Uh, it's it's really refreshing and, and can kind of like spark something interesting. Yep. Good stuff. Um, I think it's, yeah, I mean, what, you know, experimenting is important too because you got to figure as jazz musicians, everyone already thinks we're just playing a bunch of random notes and sometimes we are <laughs> anyway. So if you bring in just a little bit of a, a recognizable pop tune or something, they're going to be so happy that yeah. you can pretty much do whatever yeah. you want. Just giving them a little bit, they're like, oh, thank God, I, I can hold on to something. But I mean, I think for pulling people in at gigs, I think it's really important because, um, you know, I, I really know this music pretty well. I know the recordings. I've been playing it for quite a few years. But sometimes I go hear like, you know, some especially like a young band, and like they're playing all this original music, and I'm just kind of lost in it. I mean, unless it's just perfectly sculpted, and I've got so much concentration, um, you know, ability at that time, I mean, I'm just, I want something that I can kind of hold my hands onto a jazz standard, a pop tune, something. And, and, and I mean, I'm an informed pro at this, so you figure your general audience, let's give them a little bit more, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. 
Um, that brings us to our third point, which is to wait. We've only. I feel like we've done like seventeen points. That brings man. us to our seventh point, which <laughs> is go. to now. This is this is the last thing we'll talk about, and this is again uh, something that that we've both done quite a bit. Yeah. And that's you know you have this great melody. Uh, you have a song that means something to you. Um, what we have the luxury of is jazz musicians, and what's sometimes necessary if we're going to improvise over this is to reharmonize the chord changes mm. around the melody. You know, everybody has a different level of comfort with this of going outside. Um, I like to to go pretty outside when I reharm the chord changes, give myself something um, with sort of the improvisational section in mind, right? Some yeah. some changes that I want to play over. It can be really difficult uh, to play over one, four, fives. You know, that's that can be maybe something that you don't want to do, uh, although sometimes that can be really freeing yeah. um, occasionally. But, you know, uh, oftentimes I'll try to come up with some kind of alternate chord changes that have some nice little things in there for me and for the band to like grab onto when we're improvising that isn't just you know the basic straight pop changes also again traditionally done all the time with american songbook stuff so you know why not do that again with modern pop tunes well and it's it's, i think it's important and works well too because normally you know no matter how you arrange it and and reharmonize it still a bulk of the performance is going to be improvisation in the solo section. So you right. that part has to sound good. So, you know, if if you add some reharm, like you don't want to just do that on the solo section for something that you want. It has to fit in with the melody because you still have to have a cohesive thing. It can't just be like, you know, like you're playing giant steps. Be dee dee doo dee dee doo dee dee doo dee blues. But ding 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 ding. I mean, yeah. That's easier, that but, but that's, that's not going to fit together. So I think the, I know a cat that does that. Actually. I think so, too. <laughs> we all do, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, don't be afraid of the pop tunes. Have fun with it, and you'll hear it. Thanks for listening to this episode of the You'll Hear It podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave a rating or review. Yeah, I liked what I heard. Mm. I'm going to leave five stars, but <laughs> you guys can do whatever you want. Today's episode was brought to you by Open Studio, jazz lessons from jazz legends. Check out our brand new All Access Pass. All Access, what is that, like one or two courses you get? Dude, I said All Access. It's access to everything. Every course, hundreds, ah, thousands, tens of thousands of lessons. <laughs> Wait, me, tens let me, of thousands. Well, back up, back no, up. Definitely hundreds. <laughs> We're getting close to a thousand. Everything from Christian McBride, Peter Martin, Romero Lobombo, Gregory Hutchinson, uh, Miles Davis, Mead Lux Lewis, okay, Jelly Roll it's Morton. Just getting ridiculous. <laughs> no, some of those. The first couple, we've got them. <laughs> Check us out. OpenStudioNetwork.com. <laughs>